All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT Network. Uh, we, we've got a character for you guys now. Uh, Joe Walsh, former U.S. congressman, um, now doing a, a podcast called, well, let's just say F Silence, uh, also doing a, a radio show on the Gab Radio Network, the Joe Walsh Radio Show. I uh, ran against uh, Donald Trump in the Republican primary briefly. Uh, Joe, welcome back to the Young Turks. Hey, Cenk, I'm a fan of what you do. It's good to be with you, man. All right. So, Joe, you're you are a character, and uh, and you you've had some twists and turns in your career. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you turned on Trump uh, before the election. You said if uh, Trump loses, grab your musket. Uh, got a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, and now you're so disenchanted with him that you ran against him. So, let's start with the obvious question: What happened? Look, I, hey, Cenk, and again, good to be with you. I didn't love Trump or like him that much in 16. He wasn't Hillary Clinton, so like a lot of Republicans, it was an easy vote for me. I am guilty, though, Cenk, of not paying attention to him. I swear to God, I didn't vote for him in the Republican primary. I voted for Rand Paul. I just figured Trump's a goof. Maybe he'll appoint a few good people. Maybe a couple good things might happen. But bad on me. I didn't pay attention to him. I didn't realize what a horrible human being he is and what turned. I mean, when I began to pay attention to him after he won, every time he opens his mouth, he lies. I can't accept that in a president. Final straw from me, Jenk, was Helsinki of 2018 when this bastard stood in front of the world and said, I'm with Putin and not my own people. That was the greatest act of disloyalty I've ever seen in a president. From that point forward, I was actively working against him. So, Joe, when you were in Congress, uh, you were considered one of the most conservative uh, Congress people. Um, yeah. So a lot of conservatives uh, think, well, look, the, Trump runs his mouth too much, and I wish he wouldn't say all those things on Twitter. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, he's appointing the right judges. Uh, he's owning the libs. He's, uh, you know, passing the things that we want. So who cares? Um, well, what, what do you say to that? Well, there are some things more important than issues. So even if he were a conservative president and he's given me a bunch of conservative policy, I couldn't I still couldn't support him, Jank, because, look, he obstructed justice. He welcomed Russian interference in our election. He lies every time he opens his mouth and he should have been impeached. He pressured a foreign government to help him cheat in our elections. Those things are more important to me than issues. But even on the conservative stuff, Jank, I don't think he's delivered. Sure, a few judges. His trade policy sucks. That's not conservative. That tax bill he passed a couple years ago was just a giveaway to the rich. I think he's horrible on the border. So I don't think he's delivered. Oh, and by the way, on the debt before the pandemic, he increased and was increasing the deficit and the debt way faster than Obama did. But, but Joe, you know, when you look at that, uh, that's the case for the Republican Party of my lifetime. Uh, yeah. Talking about, oh, my God, the debt. Yeah. Uh, and every time they get into office, giant tax cuts for the rich drive up the deficits. They So Reagan did it. Uh, George W. Bush did it. Uh, so Trump's not new in that sense. Uh, and, yeah, he lies more than the average politician, but politicians lie. Right. 
So I think a lot of progressives would look at it and go, Joe, welcome to the party. You're a little late. Um, and you're not, and I don't mean that in the sense of a political yeah. party because you're still a conservative, but aren't those criti critiques of conservatives overall fair points? Yes. Yes. And Jenk, I went to Congress in 2010, part of that Tea Party class. I was more pissed off at Republicans than Democrats for the debt. I was pissed off about it, at George W. Bush. I mean, when you, the Tea Party started in reaction to Bush and all of his debt. So, yeah, a pox on both their houses. I don't think either party cares about the debt. But we have, I believe, Jenk, a unique threat in the White House. This guy is an existential threat. He is a, we've seen it in the last couple of days. He is an authoritarian. That's more important to me than any policy issue. Yeah, look, we're in a unique situation because neither one of us is part of the mainstream. True. And so, you know, all they do is play party politics. So everybody on the left has to uh, pretend not, well, not everybody on the left, but at, at least everybody in the Democratic Party and their media enablers have to pretend that Joe Biden is amazing and he's always had the great policies and, and he was great on civil rights. None of that is really true. Um, but, but it is true that at least he does believe in democracy and our former government. To me, yeah, Trump's a pathological liar, pathological narcissist, all those things are horrible, racist, you name it, he's done it, he, he is that. But I think the biggest threat is, I think he would end this former government uh, if given an opportunity. And if he gets another four years unchecked, I think he's got that opportunity. Imagine, Jenk, what he would do if he's reelected. Look, the Republican Party didn't like me when I was in Congress. If you were in Congress, you would be the biggest thorn in the backside of the Democratic Party. And I think that's a good thing. Donald Trump is everything our founders feared, Jenk. He's unfit. I wrote a book called F Silence, calling Trump out. He's unfit because he can't tell the truth and he's incapable of putting the country's interests before his own. All he cares about is himself. If he's reelected, forget every one of our norms and institutions. So, Joe, you're going to try to do a conservative uh, talk show uh, <laughs> that is against Trump in this yeah. era. Um, well, so I got to ask, what do you think is the state of conservatives in the Republican Party now? Uh, do you think that you got a chance at, at people welcoming you in and going, oh, that's an interesting perspective? Or is there going to be rage against you? So two things, Jenk. I think the Republican Party's done. Uh, it is a cult. I ran into that cult when I tried to primary Trump. I think the Republican Party is breaking up before our eyes. I am committed, not because like you, not because I love Joe Biden. I've dedi I'm dedicating this year to trying to find as many disaffected Republicans to vote for Biden. I'll tell you one thing, Jenk, as I was out campaigning in Iowa and New Hampshire, I heard from a lot of Republicans who said privately to me, Hey, Joe, I like some of the things Trump's done, but I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with the Trump show. I think you're going to see more and more of that come out now month by week by week here. Yeah. So, Joe, look, uh, they they saw the racism and, it, it, and they stuck with him. Uh, historically, through this, his first term, he's had about 90 percent of Republican voters on his side. I think he's now down to 85% of Republicans supporting him, but that's still a giant number. So they saw the racism, they saw the lies, they saw the authoritarian nature, et cetera, 
and they still stuck with them. So do you think there's anything that could get them to go, uh, you know what, maybe we got to rethink this guy? Yeah, and Jenk, I think you saw it with the pandemic, with the virus. Trump's numbers among older Americans, and that's been his strength, are, is down. And I think because older Americans are scared. It's one thing for Trump to lie about how much money he's got or whatever, but when he lies to the American people about a virus that kills the American people, that's going to hurt him. And I think it's hurting him among older Americans as well. Yeah, well, look, that's not just anecdotal. Uh, the numbers back that up. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, for 65-year-olds and above, uh, in the 2016 election, he won them by 13 points. Against yep. Hillary Clinton. And now with that same demographic, he's underwater by 15 points. So that's a gigantic 28-point swing with people who vote the most in this country. Forget about it. And you're right, you're right, Jenk. If he loses them, it doesn't matter what Biden does. He's done. Yeah. And Joe, do you think that's going to bleed over to the rest of the Republican Party? The Republican Party is clearly now seen as the one pushing to reopen the economy. And they had so many people like the lieutenant governor of Texas, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, you name it, Hannity, all of them come out and say, no, we got to open it up. And literally at times say, even if it means that uh, it, it kills some older Americans. I, uh, and when that's your most loyal voting base, was that just about as disastrous a, a political strategy as they could have possibly had? Yeah, look, I say this as a member of the conservative media, watching Fox News can and will get you killed. I, I, think, I think Republicans are going to lose the Senate. I think all of these Republicans who have enabled this lawless individual in the White House, I think they're going to lose. McSally in Arizona, I think they're going to lose. I think the Democrats will. I think you're going to see, Cenk, a landslide. I mean, 2018 was a referendum on Trump and Republicans got spanked. Yes. Um, so if what would you, let, let's put it this way. What would be your ideal candidate? So, you know, you say you're still a conservative. So what, okay, obviously minus all the things we talked about, the lying, et cetera. Um, what, what do you want the next conservative party, whether it's the Republican party that's reformed or anything else to look like? I want it, Jenk, to be a center-right party, but I want it to be decent. I want it to be tolerant. I want it to open up its arms to people from all over the world as long as they come here legally. I don't think that, I think that is a long time coming, Jenk, because I think Republicans are going to be in the wilderness for a long time. All right. Joe Walsh, former congressman, uh, and he's got the book F Silence. Uh, and he's got the F Silence podcast and now the Joel Walsh Radio Show on the Gab Radio Network. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us on the Young Turks. Appreciate it. Hey, Jank, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Back on the conversation. We've got a great guest for you guys. He's a progressive populist running in Kentucky for Mitch McConnell's seat. Uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Mike Breuer. Um, also a farmer, also a reporter and editor in the past. Uh, so, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, welcome to the show. 
Oh, thanks so much. And I gotta apologize for the dorky headset, but uh wanted to make sure we weren't feeding back or falling into any of those uh those traps. So no, it looks good. It looks like you're on a uh, mission. Uh Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. Um <laughs> Okay, so uh you at this point you're mainly a farmer. Uh you're retired from the military, you were the Marine Corps. Um so why? Why? You know, Amy McGrath is the main Democratic establishment candidate there. She's raised $14 million. Why in the world did you get into the primary? Well, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, when I uh, when I decided she wasn't in, um, you know, I uh, and, and besides that, I'd run anyways. But uh, the fact that she's the uh, Washington Democratic establishment's party choice, that alone should be good enough to run. But um, yes, she's raised an awful lot of money. But uh, anyone who watched the debate last night or the debate we had up in uh, northern Kentucky back on uh, uh, March the 5th, which seems like 100 years ago, um, you know, they, she's she's unfocused and uninspiring. And she's trying to grab this kind of mushy center that we've run against Mitch McConnell for 35 years and uh, we've gotten creamed every time. So I'm going to ask you more about the debate in a second, but let's that goes to the heart of the issue here. Um, so the Democratic leadership thesis is if you run to the middle, that's a better chance of winning in places like Kentucky. Uh, what is your thesis instead, and what do you think is wrong with theirs? Well, I don't have any data on mine, but I have got 35 years of data on theirs, and uh, the results are in. It doesn't work. So um, I guess I can't prove a negative. Uh, but, uh, you know, doing the same thing again and, uh, you know, people need to be inspired. People need. And, and, you know, when I started my campaign talking about uh, social and economic justice way back in July, you know, it was important to me. But as things have just spun uh, uh, more and more out of control in this country, uh, you know, here in Kentucky, we started off with you, you may have heard of the Black Jewel Mine, where the miners had their wages stolen by the mine owners. Um, GM workers went on strike for, for, for months in Bowling Green, Kentucky, for better working conditions and basic respect for their fellow workers. And then impeachment hearings, impeachment trial, global pandemic that kills 110,000 people. And then now great cities of America are on fire. And so those, those calls for social justice back in July are now demands and our cities are burning. And so if you want to run to the comfortable middle or go back to business as usual, you are not going to get elected in Kentucky or else. So, uh, Mike, if you were elected, first of all, it would be an amazing, wonderful moment in, in America because that means I get to say, down goes Mitch McConnell, down goes Mitch McConnell, which would be one of the happiest nights of my life. Um, so, uh, but what would be your vision? So you're considered more populist. What does that mean? Well, I, that's not a... It's not a name I give myself, but, you know, <clears throat> so I started off my campaign and I said social and economic justice for all. And I was teaching it, uh, treating them as two discrete things. But the more I thought about it and the more I talked about it, I just realized that these two things are like inextricably linked. If you take a look at any any topic, um, mass incarceration, there's a huge economic aspect to it and there's a huge social justice aspect to it. You know, the, the social justice aspect is, of course, that we incarcerate African-American males at a much higher rate than we do any other group of our population. You know, here in Kentucky, in the last eight years, we've increased the number of women in prison by 300%. I guarantee you the women in Kentucky have not gone on a massive crime spree. 
but we have a for-profit prison system. It's a business. You build a prison, you gotta fill it up. Businesses make donations to uh, politicians, wash, rinse, repeat. And uh, that's, and, and so we gotta break that cycle. You know, that that's just one of those things that, um, that has a, and it has also the huge economic aspect of it. We're taking, we're jailing people at the expense for, for nonviolent crimes, not a threat to themselves or anyone else in the community. We're jailing people at an incredible expense, you know, $25,000, $30,000 a year to keep someone incarcerated, coming out of the taxpayer's money. And uh, those people are not at their homes. They're not being a breadwinner. Their families are probably going on WIC, SNAP, uh, other kinds of assistance, Medicaid. And so there's this add on effect to, to besides immiserating their family, but a massive expense to the taxpayers to incarcerate someone who probably doesn't deserve to be there in the first place. So, like I said, as I've gone through all these issues, whether it's guns, uh, healthcare, um, you know, the, the big issues of the day um, here in Kentucky, of course, op the opioid epidemic, all these things are are just so closely tied both to social justice and economic justice. So, um, those are the things I'm for. If that makes me a, a progressive populist, then I'll own it. Okay, uh, and and so you guys had the debate last night. Um, I, I hope the media covered it uh, amply in Kentucky because that makes a huge difference. Uh, but debates are for contrast. So how did it go, and uh, what and what are the contrasts that you wanted to draw out in that debate? Well, first I'll say this, Jenk, that it was covered well. KET, Kentucky Educational Television, broadcast statewide, so that was a great opportunity. But it was also picked up by C-SPAN. And, uh, and my, my mom and dad watched and, uh, which was weird. Cause I didn't tell them I was going to be on C-SPAN last night. So it got a lot of coverage. It, you know, it's probably the most important race in the country. I know every politician, everyone running for office thinks their race is the most important one, but mine is beating Mitch McConnell is the most important thing. We have to save the Republic, but for drawing contrast, um, Amy McGrath was herself middle of the road, dodging questions. Uh, you know, just, uh, and, and the host Ray Shaw is brilliant and she just dug in. And, uh, when the question didn't get answered, she went right back at her and we got a lot of just the same old mushy middle of the road talk. Charles Booker, representative Booker from, uh, Louisville, you know, Louisville's on fire right now. And as their state representative, he had an awful lot to, to say about social justice from firsthand experience, rightfully so as an African-American man. But, um, as far as comparisons, um, we did a, we had a, a, um, indivisible hosted a, um, a, a forum in Northern Kentucky back on March 5th, 88% of the people in the exit poll that they ran said they would have voted for me if the, uh, if the election was that day, there's a Twitter poll closing out right now based on last night's debate. And I'm at about 65%. McGrath is about four. So Booker's at about three. So I'll take those numbers. Yeah. And so, of course, unscientific, but I, I hear you. So it, it's it's uh, trending in a certain direction. And and it's hard for moderates to win debates because they're moderates. Uh, and so and they've been taught by their consultants to avoid questions. So, it, it you know, I don't know if the reporters think it's savvy, but it really grates on the nerves of anybody watching. So uh, I think people probably appreciate your straightforward approach. Um, and, and I don't think you're wrong to say that your race is is certainly among the most important in the rate in the country. Uh, one, in the primary, can, can a progressive beat one backed by massive Democratic money and leadership uh, and in, in a place like Kentucky? That's hugely important. Uh, and then if you could beat McConnell, it makes all the difference in the world. So um, 
when it comes to McConnell, there is a laundry list of things he has done wrong. Uh, but what do you think are the main reasons why the people of Kentucky need to replace him? Well, I, you know, I'd love to be able to talk about, uh, you know, subordinating the, the Congress to the executive branch and packing the packing the federal bench with unqualified judges. But uh, Kentucky wants to hear they want to hear kitchen table issues. And, uh, and so there, there's two approaches to it. One of them is just the facts and uh, the fact that Kentucky has, you know, K Kentucky's got uh, the worst cancer rate in the country. We have the worst child abuse rate in the country. We have the worst child homelessness rate in the country. We have twice the national average of people working at the minimum wage in Kentucky, the fifth worst economy in the United States. So when people say, how oh, are we going to give up the prestige of having the, um, of having the Senate majority leader, he hasn't done anything for Kentucky. I mean, literally, he's left us in, in shambles. You know, he let the black lung disability uh, trust fund lapse. And, uh, you know, those are his constituents. He doesn't care about us. And so that's what I tell Kentuckians. And the other half of it is this, giving a transformative vision, talking about, the, you know, the opportunity offered in having a single-payer healthcare system, universal basic income. And people resist that. They say, well, isn't that some kind of giveaway? And all I have to – people in Kentucky have great common sense. They say, listen, we give money to corporations all the time. It's, I think it's better to give it to people because they spend it. And all I have to do is ask them, how, how different would your life be if you had an additional $1,200 a month? And you see the lights come on. And the smiles come on their faces. They start to imagine, and, and the, the fundamental fairness of it, of, of that it goes to everyone, and uh, that they could change their life. We could raise every single American out of poverty. And uh, when you say, should we give the money to corporations or to you? They invariably say, give the money to us. And so that's how you can sell populist ideas. That's how you can win in Kentucky as a, as a progressive. So, uh, Mike, one more chance. And by the way, people should know uh, Andrew Yang has endorsed uh, Mike for this seat as well. Um, and so uh, you still have one uh, big problem in Kentucky. So if you run populist against Boss Hogg, uh, I think you have an excellent chance of winning. And Mitch McConnell has terrible poll numbers right now. So it, it's like if you run a populist campaign in, in Kentucky, uh, I, I think you win. But... Trump is still popular in Kentucky, and so Mitch McConnell is going to bear hug him. How do you get past that? Well, you know, between the two of them, they've run the economy into the ditch. You know, their, their, their sole metric for success for the last three years was the roaring stock market. Well, look at it now. They put 40 million Americans on uh, 40 million Americans on unemployment, 40 million households without health insurance facing the biggest uh, health crisis our country's seen in a century. And so... Um, you know, Mitch McConnell can jump on his back and, and go right into the ditch with him. So um, I'm not worried about that. I'm not running against uh, Donald Trump. I'm running against Mitch McConnell and his record here in Kentucky. Mike, what's your website? It's uh, MikeForKentucky.com, all spelled out, and uh, plenty of opportunities there. You're so moved. MikeForKentucky.com slash sign up, and one of my eager Yang Gang volunteers will be happy to put you to work. Of course, there's a great opportunity to donate if you are so inclined. All right. Mike Breuer, uh, running for Senate in Kentucky. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you for joining us on The Young Turks. It, it, was, it was absolutely my pleasure, and thanks to everyone who helped set it up. It was really, really smooth and fun. No problem. Take care.